are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox what Live up? Stevevich. <laughs> and Father Time is a curious thing. In episode 156 today, January 17, 2020, we're going to catch up with each other before we dive right into our movie review of Bad Boys for Life which we will have a high-level spoiler-free version and slash impression of the film, followed by our deep dive into the film, a.k.a. the spoiler version. So, without further ado, Steve, my brother from the same mother. (laughs) So good to see you. And by see, I mean here, because I can't see Right, yeah, because... I'm staring at a concrete box. Our concrete box. Ah. <laughs> uh, concrete. Anyway, cardboard. You know, concrete, cardboard, kind of the same say, thing. Concrete. <laughs> concrete C- box. Con- well. card, concrete board. Um, so, and a bunch of pillows on my dad. Anyway, uh, I'm going to try not suffocating as much as I did last episode. And hopefully that works out. Oh, well, that, that's a good thing. That, that, that'll be productive <laughs> on your end. Oh, good. Um, he didn't faint. Good. Yeah, really. Like, he was breathing hard the last time. I'm like, what do you think, Steve? <sighs> Where are you? I just stopped. Uh, oh, I don't know. I just give me a second. I got to get some air. Um, <laughs> so, anyhow. No, we, we almost had a, a big storm out here, and my wife hasn't been accustomed to the Tejas storms. So ah, it yes. kind of it kind of petered out. Didn't really turn into anything. Actually, it was quite nice. I I thought about actually taking a little little night stroll. Uh, the air was fresh. The wind was nice. It was there was some thunder and lightning, but it was like it, nothing was striking down. It was just kind of in the clouds, and it was a nice slow <laughs> rumble. It was like a and swirly lightning here and there in the clouds. It wasn't like it was going down or anything. Well, no, I mean like. In, you know, when lightning strikes, that's what that's really what makes the, the 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 clap of the thunder. But I mean, if it's all in the in the clouds, like you don't hear really anything. You just see a little flash here and there. Anyway, probably not a great mm-hmm. idea. But I'm just saying, like you know, that the news was making it out to be like this, uh, like the apocalypse was coming, and everybody should uh, should start digging uh, <laughs> into the basement or you know some sort of shelter. And it wasn't bad at all. So anyhow. A lot of lot, much ado about nothing, a lot of scare for nothing, and it was actually a very good night. That was Friday. Well, good. Did you get good sleep? I did until my uh, until my wife roundhouse need me in the uh, in the hip, and that that woke me up. I thought I was being attacked, <laughs> and I got the sweats, and my heart was racing. I was about to kick down some some booty, and uh, I and got I the meat sweats. <laughs> Wait, no, that's wrong. Oh gosh! <laughs> and, I was uh, dreaming I was at a barbecue. And, wait, no. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I thought I was Steve McQueen, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, I heard this. And I realized I had my wife's panties on, and I am Steve McQueen. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> then I realized my sack was hanging out of both sides because it was one of those sexy pieces of panties. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> oh, I feel balanced and uh, caught up at the same time. <laughs> 
I was in pain, yet I was confused. <laughs> then I thought, <laughs> do I have a thigh gap? I don't. Hmm, maybe I should. Anyhow, uh, going too far. <laughs> and I found myself looking into the mirror to see if I have the much sought after heart shape between my thighs. <laughs> And I, and thought, I why, do. Why am I up at four in the morning looking in the mirror at my thighs? Hey, I should go back to bed. Good grief. Anyway. Oh, man. So, that was good. Let's see. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to get through this. I watched a couple movies. I'm going to go ahead and go right on here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Okay, Russ. So I actually <laughs> watched the 1970s version of The Hobbit, which was animated. It was like the cartoon version. I didn't know how it oh, was going to yeah, be. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, but I watched it thinking that, you know, it might be pretty good. Man, they really gave the light version and the... Um, Let's go as quick as we can through the entire story version. And um, it, it wasn't very good at all. <laughs> I was like, nope. Uh, I'm glad I saw it. I uh, would not recommend it. Anyhow, but to, <laughs> to, but to continue the Lord of the Rings kind of Hobbit stuff, though, uh, my wife and I were thinking, okay, you know what? What should we watch? And I had rented, because I want to see it. It's one of my childhood favorite movies. Uh, the uh, never-ending story. I'm like, let's watch this. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I remember it being really good. And she goes, no, we're, we're not going to watch that. I went, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> well, what about uh, what about this? And I had rented a, a movie. It's called The Front Runner. And it has Hugh Jackman in it. And it's, uh, it's directed by uh, Paul Reitman. And so I thought, hey, might I like both? Uh, might 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 be good. What do you think? She's like, is it political? I'm like, well, kinda. She goes, nah, I'm not gonna be into that one either. I'm like, okay. Uh, so we thought, okay, well, what else? so we just continue our, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, Hobbit quest here. And she goes, yeah, let's watch Fellowship. And I said, I love you. And so we threw in Fellowship and got through the first disc before uh, she started passing out. And. Uh, it, it it was good. We we had it up loud. I'm telling you, I'm I'm, I'm mm, I might get the whole extended version on 4K. I might not. Yeah, you could definitely tell with the DVD that it's getting aged. But at the same time, that you know, the, since the special effects are also aged, it looks like it fits more with the DVD versus if you get the the 4K, all the like the actors and the on low location sets. They all look great, but then we get into the special effects, like with uh, when Arwen uh, casts that spell on the on the ring wraiths, and all that water comes rushing through that river and and yeah. totally takes them out. That looks real dated. So anyhow, there's some pros and cons, but I might end up upgrading sometime. But uh, anyhow, I have kept on going with the Jedi Fallen Order, and I got my dual lightsaber. My bow. And actually, it wasn't... Ah, congratulations. Thank you. I wasn't supposed to go back and get it that soon, but I knew I had some of the abilities at that point, so I just thought, nah, I won't continue the storyline for now. I'll just kind of go back and see what's what. And I got it, and I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm getting my skill tree. <laughs> oh! 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my skill tree pretty, uh, pretty, you know, filled up, Russ. I'll have you know. Mm. But where I'm at, um, let's see, as of last night, I took out the ninth sister. I know, why, why are all these sisters bad guys? Um, the, the sisterhood, who knows? But um, anyway, I took her out. And I got to thinking about our last podcast about what makes a good boss fight. And I, I remember what I was saying with, which was if, if like the, the logistics of, of both characters have to play by the same rules. And so even though I can use the force and they can use the force and I can jump and they can jump, <laughs> there are certain times when like, if I get a, a health stem from my little droid, yeah. Um, and the, and the boss is blinking red, like they're about to do some huge attack that I can't block. I will arrow over on the controller to move out of the way. And if I'm trying to get a, a life stem, my character will just stop and just grab the stem and apply it. They won't continue to move out of the way. Now, if that's, if I'm not in a boss fight or if they're not blinking red and I try and move and, and like I'm running, and I just want to get a stem. No problem. <laughs> so like, or if they're blinking red and they jump and they're close and I dodge out of the way, they will stop midair, turn around and then land <laughs> on top of me. I'm like, come <laughs> on, this is just BS right here. So anyhow, uh, so that's where I'm at. I had saved it last night and I was going to start playing a little, uh, a little earlier before we started podcasting, but then I heard from you and I thought, okay, I guess I'll put, leave that on pause. So wait, where are you right now? Uh, so I, so I went back to the planet where I was helping out the Wookiee resistance. Oh, and, yes, chic. and it's, I'm in that, that rainforesty level. Beautiful, by the way. And I just helped that. I I, I, I helped out this the little bird creature. Um, I gave him a stem. I pulled out a piece of the plane that uh, that that he took out for me and got hurt along the way. Um, and then I defeated the ninth sister. So now I'm back on my aircraft with uh, those two other people. I can't forget. I can't remember their names. But anyway, that's where I'm at there, and I'm about to continue the story. Uh, but I just saved it in, in the spot. You know what I wish they could do though. And maybe that maybe this will happen later on in the game, but it only asks you, it only gives you like two lightsaber colors. And like, what if I wanted to do a different color? Why why can't I adjust that? It only gives me green and blue. Like, what if I wanted turquoise? I don't know. Just saying. Well, I mean, the green and blue colors are the traditional Jedi colors. The Sith color is red. However, uh, there have been opportunities where, you know, like, like in episode two, for instance, uh, there were Jedis with uh, other colors that were right. not blue and green. So Samuel Jackson. Yeah. It, they, there you go. <laughs> or red. Or uh, yellow. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I cannot wait for you to finish that game. I want to know. I think it'll be fun to be able to listen to you give kind of a, just a overarching kind of review of, of what you think of the game. Are you liking it more and more as you play along? I am. Uh, the, the PlayStation has lately started to, I don't know. It's been giving me this notice saying that it's been upping the resolution and I never saw that before. Uh, so I'm wondering if it if it went through some update where it recognizes it with the game uh, that I have a 
you know, a higher resolution capable TV and it just automatically increases the resolution because it, it last couple times that I've played, it gives me that notice and beforehand it didn't. It just said HDR and that was it. So, um, but I'm, I'm glad the designers of the game, there's, there's parts where you're climbing uh, the vine because you're getting towards like this really huge tree and you're kind of making your way up toward, towards this bird creature and they scale the camera back to give you this view of where you actually are and and how how wide this forest is and how immense this this tree that is everything is kind of connecting with right and, and i'm like man that's gorgeous that's so beautiful i'm glad they did that it's kind of, they, they kind of showing off their work in a little way but i mean i'm like oh, that, that's okay that is perfectly fine you know if i if i can gaze and wonder at the game that is absolutely fine it is pure art yeah, yeah, you're. I feel like you're at the the point where you're gonna start to see a lot of really cool stuff happening. It just makes me excited. What about you, Russ? What about me? So I one of the things I think is is fun to mention is I I finally got around to seeing the new PS5 logo, which I know has been in the the news over the last week or so, and it's it's not surprising at all that it looks just like the PS4 logo, except for the numerical update. And, um, <laughs> I saw on Twitter, there were people who were kind of poking fun at that. where like someone had put together a collage of like how the logo has pretty much remained the same since the PS2. Like there was like kind of a little bit change between PS2 and PS3, but PS3, PS4 and PS5 are exactly the same thing, which honestly I'm not really surprised about. Uh, I think that that's just, kind of what we could expect from Sony in that regard. So what I thought it was just, it was was an entertaining little thing I saw (laughs) when I was on lunch break, but, um, I will have, you know, Steve, that I binge watched the entire Witcher Netflix series. I can't remember. What? How how did you, uh, I thought you, you gave up the ghost with Netflix. Well, I'm, you know, I'm staying with a buddy old pal at his place. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. And he's watching it. So because it's a studio apartment, there's really nowhere else for me to go. <laughs> yeah. So he was in the mood to watch it. He was watching it. And so I was just over, uh, you know, uh, on my laptop doing my thing and, and was kind of watching it as he was watching it. So, uh, yeah, I, I ended up seeing the whole thing. And, uh, you know, if you, I I can't remember, have you seen it already or not? Yeah. Yeah. I watched it and like with all within the first week. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm thinking since now we've both seen it, perhaps we could give uh, a topic of the day next week on the Witcher series. How does that sound, Steve? Oh, I I think it sounds amazing. Right. Right. But I have to ask you what episode's your favorite. (sighs) It's difficult to know. Um, exactly. And you know what? Give me this following week to think about it. Cause I'll put, I'll put some notes together and we can really do a, a proper deep dive into it. But I, I can say off the top of my head that, uh, I absolutely love Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia. I think oh, that, yeah. that that was such a fabulous choice. And really, I think a lot of the other cast members did a, a fine job as well. I think that um, I, I personally was a bit of a, at a disadvantage just because I have not played Witcher one and two. I've only played Witcher three. And so therefore I don't know 
the the plot points from the series, like if those were accurate from the game or if they decided to take some creative license and go their own way. I, I wasn't exactly sure on that point. But having said that, I, I mean, it did feel like the world of the Witcher. And so I'm, I'm definitely pleased that, that they're, they're working on uh, the second season and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. It, it is, it is decided right now as we're recording this episode, next week's topic of the day will be Steve, please say it for me. The Witcher. That's right. The Witcher. So um, the finally, the only other thing well, that is that I haven't been able to play any games because I'm waiting for my systems to be shipped up. Uh, my uh, wife <laughs> put them together and shipped them out. And I haven't, <laughs> I am systemless at the moment. So I've just been doing a lot of watching of things and I'm supposed to receive my Xbox this weekend. And I also picked up a, uh, it's like a portable suitcase kind of thing that's specifically designed to be able to take your PS4 or Xbox wherever you go. And it has like a built-in screen and all that kind of stuff. And pretty cool. It's called Games. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the the way they spelled it, I think is like G-A-E-M-S. They kind of had fun swapping a couple of letters there. And uh, they, they just specialize in making these mobile-friendly suitcases for your, your consoles. And uh, so it's cool because you can have a little, little pouch for your, your controller and your cables. And there are speakers and a screen and stuff that are in there. And they have different sizes. Of course, the price goes up. But um, once I have that all in place, then I'll be able to resume uh, lots of, uh, of game playing. So finally... One more thing, which I thought was so funny is I, so you remember how I was telling you how I had watched Aladdin with my daughter? It happened right. about two or three weeks ago, probably about three weeks ago now. And <laughs> I think my phone must've been eavesdropping on the daddy daughter time because I saw this um, SNL thing pop up in YouTube and it has Adam Driver who plays Kylo Ren. I guess he was guest starring on SNL or whatever. And they did this skit that made fun of Aladdin when you had um, Princess Jasmine and Aladdin on the, the flying carpet when they sing A Whole New World. That is the funniest thing. Like <laughs> Adam is sitting there just singing along and, and the, the woman who's one of the comedians, she keeps having things like horrible things happen while she's trying to look all like sweet and precious and stuff. So like they're flying along, singing the song and like some huge albatross, like clocks her in the face. And then they sing some more and like a, a bomb drops and Adam driver's like, Oh, we must be over Syria. <laughs> it's just no. terrible. And then like, finally, like they're going through and they're kind of going to the climax of the song. And then something gets dumped on Jasmine and you can't really tell what it is. At first you think like it's like a bird crapping on her, but it's not. And Adam driver looks at me and goes, Oh, that's seven forty seven must have just released its its urinal. <laughs> so the whole thing was just beyond ridiculous, but I thought uh, that was just hilarious. So we're a great way to start the weekend as far as I'm concerned. Even the Batmobile don't hold the road like this bitch. Light pants and fast cars don't make you Batman, Mike. Bus, bus, bus. 
Get me out of this car. Mike, we got more time behind us than in front. Man, please. I'm going to be running down criminals till I'm 100. Not me. I'm retiring. What happened to bad boys for life? It's time we be good men. It's bad boys for life. Who in the hell want to sing that song? Mike, I'm putting you on a new team. You're working with Ammo now. Yeah, Ammo is a high school musical boy band with guns. You look great, Grandpa. So you're that guy. There's always one. Right up till there's not. That's what I like, teamwork. I'm the definition of Somebody's trying to kill me. Who wants to kill you? I don't trust a person that don't want to kill him. Hell, put my name up there. Thanks a lot. We got it, Marcus. We appreciate it. But family is the only thing that matters. So I'm not letting you go on a suicide mission alone. One last time. One last time. It's official. I survived what I've been through. Y'all got drama. The saga continues. Cover the front door. She knows. She always knows. Our topic of the day is Bad Boys for Life, the movie review. And let's kick things off with a spoiler-free high-level thoughts on the film. Steve, what did you think of this? You know, I liked it. Um with the when you know, when we saw the trailer, I was I was excited because we're gonna get another bad boys. And, but it, the trailer didn't make it seem as it was going to, like, like it was going to be that good. It, it just seemed like they were going to ring out another franchise, uh, you know, sequel to the original and they're going to kind of milk it for a little more money. And I thought, okay, no, we're going to play it out. It's going to be some nostalgia, you know, kind of whatever. But I wasn't too excited with the trailer, but I have to say the movie, I, had a great time with. I really liked it. I, I would almost venture to say it was my favorite bad boys out of one, two, and three. Wow. Very surprising. I was not expecting to hear you say something like that. I mean, I I, I watched Bad Boys 1 and 2 recently, um, and maybe I was just bad boys out because they were pretty close to the same. But since time has passed now and Will Smith and Martin Lawrence uh, are both older and their characters are older uh, and uh, I'm older. Um, maybe it made more of an impact, but uh, I, I do like how they, how Marcus and um, oh, good grief, what's, what's Will Smith's character's name? It's um, well, Will uh, Smith is Mike, Mike Lowry, Mike Lowry and Marcus. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do 
I do like how they, they the chemistry. It seems like it had it's it's continued. It's grown. It's not like they're trying to get you know rekindle things for a third movie. It seems like they've always been together and on the police force. Nothing has changed. So that you know that was that was great. Um, it, it, the movie did poke some fun in itself. Like you know, there's different scenes where stuff just blows up because it blows up just for <laughs> a couple of bullets shooting at it. Sure, um, you know. So I mean, it, that that part was kind of campy, but it's supposed to be an action comedy, and it's not. You're not supposed to take it too too seriously. Uh, you know, something that like if if that happened in Mission Impossible, I would kind of roll my eyes a bit. But you know, that happening in in Bad Boys, I'm I'm pretty okay with it. So. Um, but no, I, I liked how it was written. I liked the dialogue. I, I felt like if Bad Boys was to continue from where it left off with Bad Boys 2 all the way up till now, I kind of think that um, this is this was this would be believable, you know. Um, so no, I, I really enjoyed it. If I was to if I was to kind of criticize it a little bit, some of the music seems like it's right out of Hans Zimmer's scorebook with nothing new. Like if you watched the opening scene to the rock uh, and heard some of the music play. And then you watch this movie, you'd be like, okay, they, they're playing the same stuff. almost." <laughs> Anyhow, but uh, no, I, I had a great time. Wife had a great time and that's, it's definitely worth seeing. What did you think? Good. I always enjoy watching Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I, even before they started doing bad boys, it was really fun to watch Will Smith from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and of course Martin just had his his TV show Martin, and it was it was a lot of fun to like just see these two constantly at their prime being really funny, and I think it was it was awesome when they came together and they decided to do uh, the the first Bad Boys film. And what was interesting was that that was actually, I think, if I remember correctly, I think that was Michael Bay's first feature film because I think he was in television commercials before he did the first Bad Boys movie. And then from then on, he he really stuck to film. But what I do think is interesting is that age has certainly taken its toll on the actors. Obviously, it, <laughs> time has passed. But at the same time, it's endearing. I think it's an endearing quality to see because you see these guys, you know, we, we grew up watching them and seeing how they are today. Obviously they're not as, uh, physically fit or sprightly as they used to be, but that's perfectly fine. That's just part of life. And, um, I think that the, the, like you said, the chemistry that they have, it's, it's a joy to watch. Honestly, I think that they have kind of that sixth sense of when they're bantering back and forth, because obviously I think, a lot of the the dialogue is probably made up as they go along. I think they have kind of like a skeletal outline on structure of what's going to happen or what is the topic of conversation. But I think a lot of what they're saying, actually, they just kind of think up. And, that, and it comes across as authentic. You know, it comes across as really fun and spur of the moment kind of thing. I do think, though, that my opinion of the film is that I think it's, it's probably the weakest of the three in terms of overall just kind of bang for your buck. Wow. Factor kind of thing. Like the, it did introduce different aspects to it, which we'll get into a little bit later that I, that I did appreciate. But um, I think there are certain things that did change a bit within the crew that also had a bit of a, um, a change up to how this movie was portrayed. So one of which is um, 
I was not aware of this until I was looking it up, but Michael Bay apparently was not the director of this film. Right. It was direct. It was directed by by uh, a pair of other gentlemen who I, I'm not familiar with their work. I don't think, but you can tell how there is a noticeable shift in tone from the way Michael Bay did Bad Boys versus how these guys approached it. It's not like some huge jarring change, but there is a noticeable lack of kind of the the Michael Bay visual spectacle that we've kind of come to expect. I do wish that this film came out about five to 10 years ago, because I, as I was also doing some research for this podcast episode, I totally forgot that the first bad boys film was released in 1995 and that the yeah. sequel bad boys two was released in 2003. That's that means that, that this movie bad boys for life came out 17 years later from 2003 yeah. So it's, I don't know for me, like I've always been a big fan of, of the bad boys franchise. And it's one of those peculiar things where like certain movie franchises for whatever reason, just have these massive delays. And it's kind of a bummer because I, for one would have loved bad boys three to have come out maybe like in 2008 or 2010 or something like that. And then by this point where it's 2020, like maybe we would be already on like bad boys five or bad boys six but that's just me. That's just my wishful thinking. And for nothing else, I mean, I am glad that, that this one finally uh, saw the light of day. So that's, that's really cool. Um, and also these films, for whatever reason, they always, it, they always make me want to go visit Miami because I've never been to Miami. I've been to Orlando, Florida one time to go to Disney world, but for whatever reason, like, like it's like, despite all the chaos and violence and all the stuff that the movie portrays, like there is an allure. There's something that's very appealing about kind of the, the lifestyle of Miami. Do you ever have that, that kind of draw? No, I would say I like all the aerial shots that the, that happens there in the movie and like living on the water, you know, and the water's, really blue. I mean, that, that's the appeal, but, um, otherwise Miami, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you walk see, on you with you me into, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> I was going to say, know you weren't <laughs> I was going to say, you get the bad boys version of Miami and then you get like the nip tuck version of Miami. You know, so you gotta have to take both roads. <laughs> And with that said, come with me, Steve, into the spoiler elevator. Looks like they painted the walls a bit with uh, obnoxiously bright neon colors. Almost like Miami. um, Yeah. (laughs) Music, though. uh, Music is not quite Cuban, but... Could be, it could be. I'm almost thinking the elevator music should be almost Cuban. Cuban almost. elevator jazz. <laughs> or in this case, Cuban Hans Zimmer elevator jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with a dose of hip hop. I see that uh, you are wearing your Miami Vice shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I am. And um, I want to go on a speedboat. You know, visit the visit the keys. You know what else was filmed in Miami? I think maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was filmed in Miami. Was uh, was True Lies? If I'm mistaken. Oh, you may be correct on that one. Yeah, I think they blew up a bridge. Anyway, we have reached the spoiler floor. 
This is the spoiler version of the podcast. So if you haven't seen the film, we recommend that you pause us. Unless you don't care, then you just keep on listening. So I say, Steve, kick us off with the plot of the film. So what we got going on is that the the men have aged and Marcus is looking to retire. He's about, he's, he's, shot his last bullet. You know, he's done with life. Not, no, no, edit that out. <laughs> he's not done with life. He's done with violence. He's done with the, the cop <laughs> he's life and, and, and killing people. Uh, and just wants to be with family, relax. Like he, he just wants to focus on the quality of life. Uh, the other guy on the other hand, uh, he's still being the bad boy playboy and, what we have is some people that he's put away before are getting upset and they want to take revenge. And then we have the villain who uh, is basically a pawn uh, to kill everybody uh, that was associated with him and the killing of this of his father. And so it turns out uh, a lot of people get capped and therefore the bad boys are in for one last ride. But the one last ride comes with a bunch of friction because of the way the two uh, think about their lives and their age and their family and what they want. And uh, so it's not just like, okay, buckle up, grab your extra mag, cock your guns and let's go out blazing. It's more like, it, you know, they, they have a struggle between themselves um, and trying to uh, figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their lives as well as uh, getting rid of the bad guys like we all love them to do. Indeed. <clears throat> and, of course, this is a, a recipe for a good action movie, as all action movies need to have. And, uh, I, you know, for me, the, the plot itself wasn't exactly mind-blowing. Like, I did think there were elements to it. Like, I, I did appreciate the idea how Mike Lowry had some sort of relationship. We get to dive a bit into his past, which I thought was refreshing. I thought it was cool to be able to learn more about that. And having this kind of twist where she is definitely a scorned woman and she is looking to make him suffer. One of the things that I thought was um, a bit of a missed opportunity in that regard, though, is you really didn't see Mike's uh, like he didn't really, quote unquote, suffer the way she was drumming it up to be when when they started taking out all these different people that were, were associated with her getting arrested. And. I think obviously his biggest reaction was when he himself got shot and rightfully so. But if you recall, there really, they were, there really weren't any scenes where he's, you could tell like with each, each new person that died, he was having some kind of hard time coping with that and feeling guilty for it and all that other stuff. Did you notice that? Well, I did, but at the same time, he, I mean, he was in a, not necessarily a coma, but he was in the hospital and out of sorts while all that was happening. Cause he was, I think the first to get shot, uh, cause everybody, you know, yeah. the son was talking to the mom and mom's like, Oh, you know, why are you going out for him first? Cause you know, he's supposed to die last. He's, he's supposed to suffer and he, and the son's going, well, what's, what's the difference? Cause, um, you know, if he dies, he dies. And ultimately that's what you want. Uh, so anyhow, I think he was in the hospital fighting for his life. Um, and, that 
was taking over his emotions of you know, or sorrow for other people that he was that he has known uh, getting murdered. That is a good point. How like they they did have that come up. Um, I think I would have even after he recovered, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a totality take its toll on him. Right. From that yeah. regard. But I mean, it's not like it ruined the film for me or anything like that. It's just something I no. noticed where I'm like, yeah, he, like she was so sure that taking these people out would have had some sort of huge negative impact on him. And he just seemed like he was more curious about who the killer is and treating it kind of like a, an objective case rather than, hey, the, my friends keep dying kind of thing. Now, I will say the one um, in particular was when the captain got shot. Right. I actually really loved, that was probably one of the highlights for me of the entire plot because I did not see that coming at all when they were having their little hangout time watching his daughter or whatever play or granddaughter. I don't, I don't know who that was supposed to be, but they were at that basketball game and then they're walking back and the captain is inviting Mike over for pizza and then he just gets straight up shot from a, a sniper rifle. That was big. And having him go out like that also was big. I, I actually thought that was a very fitting way to bring Marcus back into the fold. Cause I kept thinking to myself, you know, he, Marcus, it was so, I don't know. He, he, he really had his whole mind set around the idea of just retirement. He was done. And I, and I was thinking to myself, there has to be some sort of event that transpires that, motivates him to come back in if for nothing else, just, you know, quote unquote, one more time. And that definitely, it was kind of like the, uh, the agent Phil or agent Smith kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. like from the, from the Avengers, when, when he ends up dying, it brings all the Avengers together, it, you know, on a, on a much smaller scale, it was the same kind of thing here where having the, the captain die, really unites Mike and Marcus to, to go out. And I thought that was, that was actually really fitting. And I, and I did actually feel a sense of loss when the captain died because he was also one of my favorite characters in the trilogy. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that was a turning point for the entire movie because bad boys one and two and three were all getting used to Mike Lowry's lifestyle. You know, he's a playboy. He's got this, this huge, um, inheritance and, you know, he doesn't settle down, but now he's older. Now he's in his fifties. And how much longer are you going to continue that lifestyle? Why are you going to fall in love? Are you going to have a family? Are you going to settle down? I mean, you, you can only be a playboy for so long. And yeah. so we had this, and that was like, that was the, the lieutenants or the command or whatever you want to call them. The chiefs, uh, you know, last thought to Mike Lowry was, you know, where are you going with your life? Well, you, you have to stop at some point. It can't just be guns blazing all the time because what is life? You just buy nice things. You live in a nice spot and you just go out and kill bad guys. I mean, what kind of life is that? At what, at what point are you going to figure everything out? Or is this all you want out of the life that you're living is just to kill people, you know, and, and get paid for it and then drive fast cars and sleep with pretty women. I mean, so, I mean, that was, that was like the climax for me. That was like the climax of the movie. Because that left you with, okay, one of the characters that we've seen for three movies now is now dead, execution style, you know, and, and no one saw it coming. We never saw it coming. And Mike Lowry is now alone. And he has to really consider his life. His partner is retired, doesn't want anything to do with it. The captain is telling him, hey, you need to figure something out. You need to do what Marcus is doing. And now captain's dead. And he's at Mike's having to deal with a brand new team. Who's not even remotely close to 
him at all. And, he, you know, that that was his lowest point. And in, I, to me, anyway, it was, it was the climax of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I agree, honestly. I definitely think that that was the, the climax for me, too. It, it definitely was um, a moment of reflection and introspection. I thought it was really cool to listen to the analogy that the captain was giving with the horse and all that. I thought that was right. certainly cool. In terms of, of how things ended up, I mean, it, it just kind of it, it went kind of like that down that standard action movie fair. And I did actually, having said that, I, I did like how we discover that the the mother um, was actually a, an old love flame of Mike Lowry's. And that, of course, that goes back into his his past, his history, that sort of thing. But I did like how her son was actually his son, how that wasn't some sort of false setup, how that was actually a legit thing. And I, I think it's cool to be able to see a bit more depth to Mike Lowry's character. Cause all oftentimes yeah. we'll like, I, I found myself identifying more with Marcus's character throughout the trilogy, just because he's kind of more of the family man. You know, he, he's not going to the club every night and he doesn't have like the, the fancy exotic sports cars or, you know, pumping iron and being like, super chiseled buff and stuff the way Mike Lowry is. And he's always kind of giving Mike Lowry a bit of a reality check. And as part of their, their banter back and forth, that sort of thing. But I, I, I for one was, was really happy about like kind of diving a bit more into Mike Lowry's past. what do you think? No, I totally agree. I mean, I didn't know how they were going to write him for this movie, but you know, it, in bad boys too, he is wanting to take a step back uh, he doesn't want to, you know, be shooting all the bad guys all the time. He, he kind of wants to take this less violent approach. And you do see that side of him really come to the highest point. I mean, you see him uh, praying in the in the hospital for 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 Mike and in a way trying to do the negotiate <laughs> the negotiating instead of just, uh, you know, all the, the the punching and the kicking and the shooting, uh, which doesn't really go to his you know, favor, but at the same time, he's trying, he's, he's really doing his best. Um, but also, I mean, I did like how, uh, you know, since he's aged, he's not the, the, the quick, accurate shot that he used to be. And so, and so Mike's always having to tell him, Hey, put your glasses on. You're not shooting anything. Like put your glasses on. You know, And, and he's not jumping out of, uh, you know, he didn't jump out of the balcony after the bad guys. He just took the stairs. Like I ain't doing that. You know, I'm like 55, right? you know? So <laughs> it was a very, I, I just thought it was a reality check uh, for the viewer as well as for the character that they wrote him so accurately. I mean, he's crying at the wedding. He's crying when his grandbaby was born. Uh, he's crying for, for Mike when he's in the hospital. And he's not like this emotional basket case, but these big life events are emotional for, you know, for happiness and for sorrow um, and for worry. And uh, you just see this real emotional side of him. And I thought that was, that was pretty cool uh, that we got to see that side of him and that they wrote his character to do that in this movie. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that there is an accessibility in the film and it's one of the film's strongest qualities. Really, it's one of the trilogy's strongest qualities. And that is there is the strong semblance of family and with kind of the, the brother-sibling relationship that Mike Lowry and Marcus have, 
in, in addition to more of the extended family, e- even bringing back like some of the, the side characters, like the, 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 the boyfriend that was dating Marcus's daughter, how they brought him back and they were actually tying the knot and getting so married. Cool. Yeah. I did not expect I, for them to do that. And I, I found myself no. grinning and really liking how they, again, it's the small things like that. When you have a world that's been manifested, such as bad boys, as long as you take care of your cast and you bring them back for more, it's kind of like, like the whole Marvel, the MCU thing, you know, that they're very wise to maintain their cast for as long as they possibly can, because that will create more of that viewership affinity for the, the cast and, and, and you just, you feel more bonded with them as a result. So I thought that was pretty slick. No, the theater, uh, when we were watching, I mean, we all had the same reaction when we saw Reggie in there in the hospital room. Um, he was like, what do you think, Reggie? And I'm like, dude, that's the same guy. I mean, everyone's yeah. like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, hey, what did you? Th- <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to say, what did you think of the humor in the movie? Because we haven't talked about the humor. Oh, I'll get to that in just a sec. I was just going to say. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, whatever. Well, I, I was going to comment on something you said earlier, which is that with Mike and Marcus being older now, and it's been, this has more to do with Mike, but looking at Mike, he is still trying to live that kind of party boy lifestyle, but he's getting higher and higher in age. And so I found myself kind of feeling a bit awkward on his behalf where it's like, yeah, man, you're kind of getting too old to behave that way. You're getting kind of too old to strut that way. You know what I mean? Like, like there just kind of comes a point where it no longer suits where you are in life. And I think that the, the movie was, was very much self-aware of that and, and depicting that, how like how age is a factor now, how it's starting to kind of creep up in these different places. But that's all I was going to say, Steve. Well, what were you going to ask me? So, no, I just wanted to pick your brain, see what you thought of the, the humor. Because, I mean, it, it wasn't like hysterical, but I but I thought the jokes when they, the, the jokes that they did say were fun. Like, they were spot on. But it wasn't, I, w- I didn't think it was hilarious. What did you think? Yeah, so I think this, so in previous Bad Boy films, the, the comedy is extremely rapid fire and sharp. And it should be because it's Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Like these guys are experts at doing this, this type of thing. And so when it came to this film, it it was, there was a noticeable shift in it being a bit more slower and fewer and far between, but there are moments that are really, really funny. I mean, I thought it was super funny when Martin opens the Porsche door and it like hits the fire hydrant, you know, but and then that's kind of like an ongoing joke from all from each of the movies where Martin keeps, or excuse me, Marcus keeps messing up <laughs> the different exotic cars that Mike Lowry likes to drive. And, you know, Mike gets all pissed off at him and everything else. And then, you know, stuff like that's really fun. I liked the, 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 the glasses gag where he can't see and finally he puts them on. And he, I remember him saying at one point during a firefight, he's like, man, it's like everything's in HD. Like all of that is, <laughs> <laughs> it's just real. It, it's fun to see. Probably one of the funniest parts of the film was after the body gets dropped onto Teresa's car and Marcus is having to drive the, the totally told like, well, it's a told car. Basically like the, the roof is all caved in and Will Smith and Marcus are driving or Will Smith. I keep saying the real name, Mike Lowry and Marcus are driving in the car. 
it's those ridiculous visuals that I think are a part of what make them so endearing in the first place. So those kind of things are fun, but again, there is a noticeable shift when it comes to the overall vibe of the film. And I think there are two identifying factors that I, at least for me personally, I've been able to, to notice one is their age. They they simply, it's, it's a, (coughs) excuse me. It's a very sobering notion that, the older you get, you simply don't have as much energy as you did when you were younger. And considering the fact that Bad Boys 2 came out 17 years ago, I mean, that's basically almost 20 years ago. That's an awfully long amount of time to, to wait before you do that. So you're not going to have as much of that, that kind of youthful vigor, if you will, that you once did. And that's just a part of life. But I also think the second thing is that Michael Bay not being in the director's chair really does change the pacing of the film. It changes the visual, the visual spectacle of the film. I know that, that, that the, the crew did make an earnest attempt to maintain kind of the, the, the visual style, the art direction of the previous films. And I, I do think that for the most part, they were actually pretty successful in that, but I did notice that there were certain components that didn't quite fit the bill. And I've been, very much a stickler when it comes to any given movie in that it is, especially when you're doing like, like a, an ongoing franchise or you're doing a trilogy or whatever, it is so vital that you maintain your cast and your crew. If you swap out anybody, then there will be a ripple effect that goes on. And that ripple effect may be subtle or it may be very large. And I think this is one of the one of those instances where it wasn't like a huge ripple, but it was a noticeable ripple. Like you're you're going through and you're thinking, yeah, like like it, there is something that is a little different from before. And I think you know Michael Bay, one of his qualities as a director, especially coming from the, the like the TV commercial world, like if you think of some of the work he did in commercials, one of his best was the Got Milk commercials. Like he, Michael Bay was the person who directed the classic one where the guy's in the museum and he's eating that peanut butter sandwich and he gets the, the, he's listening to the radio and they say, Oh, for, you know, a million dollars name, like whatever it was who, who shot so-and-so and and he can't pronounce it. That's, that was Michael Bay. And so I, I think Michael Bay has an ability in his films to have what I call kind of a neurotic frantic comedy. And you see it recycled over and over and over. Like if you watch transformers there, it's, it's prevalent. You see it all over the place, especially with Shia LaBeouf's character where there's like the, like this, this kind of neurotic frantic nature and a lot of stuff that goes on, you know, a lot of the characters, will be rapid firing their dialogue super quickly. And it's all very melodramatic and diva esque, but in a comical way. And I think it just lends itself really well. The rock was the same way. If you, if you really go down the list of Michael Bay films, that's kind of one of his pillars in each of his films. And I don't think that that was necessarily here. I do think that what was helpful in this film was that having Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, they automatically already know how to banter with each other. And so they, they don't probably need a ton of guidance from that. But I do think in terms of taking things to 11, I think Michael Bay needed to be there for that. 
You did you did notice his uh, his cameo, right? I did. I couldn't tell if he was like the reception DJ or yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I assume that's what it was, and I thought that actually that was pretty funny too. Yeah, no, it was funny. I mean, I, I got to think that, you know, since he wasn't in the director's seat, they had, they had to have talked to him. I and mean, they, I mean, they did talk to him because they he was in the show. But, I mean, he, they had to have had some counseling from him of, you know, what his recipe of of what made the the first two movies work and what they should do. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I Yeah, it wasn't a Michael Bay film, but I'm, I'm okay with that because sometimes Michael Bay can be over the top of his films. So... I think it it goes to the quality that that these other two directors were were focusing on. I mean, they were trying to make a Michael Bay film, and they did make I think a successful continuation of the franchise. I mean, it, yes, there it, there was some noticeable differences. I felt like the movie did take a step back in terms of its of its uh, how fast it was going or how fast the other two have been going. But I was okay with that, though, mm-hmm. um, at least for me. Well, um, I have a few movie trivia items that really was, weren't a lot, but I figured I could go through these really quick. And then after that, we could uh, give our final thoughts. What do you think? Sure, Russ. Okay. So movie trivia courtesy of IMDb. Uh, Martin Lawrence first announced the film in 2013 in an interview with Conan O'Brien. And that blew me away when I read that because that means the film, it wasn't like, like they just started working on it a couple of years ago. This film has been on the slate for a long time to come out. So, um, one of the things I noticed too, is that Michael Bay will, um, he was not um, a producer apparently on bad boys for life, but he is scheduled to produce bad boys Four. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. A sequel to Bad Boys for Life is officially in the works. Well, I just think it's a, it's, it's a bummer because they could have used Bad Boys for Life f- as the title for Bad Boys 4. See what I'm saying there? <laughs> see, see what I'm doing there, Yeah, I, I do. I almost don't even think there needs to be a Bad Boys 4. I mean, I think this was a fine way to end the whole thing, honestly. You said the same thing about Toy Story, yet you like Toy Story 4, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I, I did like Toy Story 4, but I did not like Toy Story 4. I No, actually, I said I didn't see the need to make Toy Story 4 because Toy uh, Story 3 ended like I thought it should end. That's so I'm, right. I'm saying... I'm saying that the same thing with, with bad boys. I don't think they need a four. I mean, the way they, they did the post credit scene, I was like, mm, are they trying to get rid of Martin Lawrence's character and just do kind of a Will Smith and his son kind of bad boys? I, I mean, I thought the movie was really good. And therefore, I, I mean, if they make a fourth one, you know, I, I, I definitely be down um, if they continue the same level of quality, but it makes me a bit nervous because it's always been Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, not anybody else. And now we have this ammo team and now we have uh, Will Smith's or uh, Mike Lowry's son. And I'm like, I don't know. Finally, despite both actors receiving top billing, this is the first film in the series where Will Smith is billed first and Martin Lawrence is billed second. 
I, which I, <laughs> I had no idea. I never really paid attention to that before, but I thought that was interesting. So that was really all there was in terms of movie trivia, courtesy of IMDb. One of the other things too, before we get into our concluding thoughts that I thought was kind of weird was, so I just thought of this because you, you mentioned ammo. The, the tall blonde man in the, the movie, he's part of the ammo team. I didn't understand, like there, there seemed to be kind of a, a judging from Mike Lowry when it came to him. Like every time something was going on, like the, the guy was like completely polite, wasn't giving an attitude like the other guy was. And it was almost like Mike Lowry felt intimidated by how, like the size and like the muscle strength and stuff of this other younger guy. And it didn't matter if like he was walking by and, and, and politely said, Oh, excuse me. I need to get by or whatever. It was like every time that happened, like Will Smith was like just glaring at the other actor in a way that was kind of hostile. And I was thinking that's, it just seems weird that like he would treat that other guy that way when there's absolutely zero reason to like, I could understand that for, with the other guy who was giving Mike Lowry attitude uh, the, you know, throughout the, uh, the entire time who was apparently also like a DJ as a second job. I don't know. Did you notice well, that though? Yeah, not so much. I mean, I think, I think when they, when they gave the characters background of him and being a DJ and accidentally killing somebody by, you know, throwing someone out too hard and punching him and whatever. Um, and so the guy is really big and he's, you know, just as tall, if not taller, and definitely more muscular than than Mike Lowry's character was. I think there's a bit of a pissing contest because Mike Lowry feels like he's the man, and he is the man in the last two movies, and it feels like he's getting replaced, and I think he needs to establish his dominance to show that he can't be replaced. And so, I mean, it, maybe it wasn't deserving to that that new team, but I think that, that uh, given his sense of purpose for... Uh, getting revenge on his, the attempt on his life. Um, I think that he was trying to show the captain and the team that uh, you guys need me for this and you, I can't be replaced and let me show you. And part of that was just the attitude. Oh, well, well said, Steve, I buy that right. for a dollar. <laughs> so why don't you give us your concluding thoughts and rating of the film? Well, I thought that the, the movie was, you know, continuing off where I, where I, we just talked about, I think it was very well balanced between like the, the, the newer age team and the older team. They didn't, they didn't go into, Oh, we're old, but we're still badass kind of thing. They, they really continue. They had fun with the idea of, Hey, you know, the, these rock stars are, are getting older, but there ain't no uh, replacing, you know, <laughs> some of the knowledge that the old dogs have. And, but it wasn't, all like this nostalgia fest either. I mean, they did have the limitations and the movie did recognize that and they did play with it. And therefore I think the, the audience reacted well. I reacted well, the theater acted well that I was in and I thought it was a very, very successful continuation of, of the film. I thought I appreciated them slowing it down a little bit. I appreciated the the dialogue wasn't, you know, had as much just cursing. I mean, every fifth sentence didn't have the F word in it, you know, <laughs> like the other two films where I just felt like, oh, I'm done. Uh, so I just felt the dialogue was very well. Um, I liked all the aerial shots of Miami. I liked uh, the car chase scenes and the action scenes. Um, I kind of felt the, the ammo team Maybe they needed to be there. Maybe they didn't. I kind of felt like the, all, all the, they introduced these characters and they didn't do a whole lot. Um, 
I mean, like the guy that was kind of sparring a little bit, uh, you know, edgy word wise with Mike Lowry. I mean, he was just like the drone guy. Like, are you kidding me? What, what do you guys actually do? Okay. You have computer skills and you have a bunch of guns, but it seems like you're just a high tech surveillance team. <laughs> you know, I don't know. So it does make me nervous a little bit for the, the fourth film because I don't really want new characters. I, I really like the old characters. I just kind of want it to be a, a successful uh, franchise and, and that's it. If they want to do a spinoff, I'm okay with that, but I don't know. I thought this was really fun though. I, I, I liked it. Wifey liked it and um, I might go see it again. Who knows? But I thought if, if this is where it is, then this is where it ends. Then I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I thought it was, it was a nice way to wrap everything up. So rating wise, I would say, yeah, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to say, Always in a quandary. I'm going to say, oh man, I'm going back and forth. I think I'm just going to say, um, man, I'm just going to go with three and a half. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, with three and a half stars. Three and a half stars from Stevovich. <clears throat> Very good. Well, I think that this was a film that should have come out way long ago. I'm super happy that it came out now, but I just, I, like I said earlier, I wish that there were many more bad boys films that have come out over the last 17 years. I do think that this, there are a lot of endearing qualities about this film. I'm really happy about how they've maintained the, the cast. And I like the character arcs that they've given Mike Lowry and Marcus and they don't really deviate too far off from where they've always been in terms of their character archetypes and what their interests are and that sort of thing. But having them be older, you can tell the film explores a bit more of their mortality and, and what truly matters in life. And I think it's a, it is a bit of a stark contrast from the original films where they were feeling their oats and they were out there much more machismo and doing their thing. And, and I will always love watching those movies. And at the same time, though, I think even as I'm older now and I have been around these actors for a long, long time, just just being a consumer of their entertainment, it's, it's really fun for me to be able to see how they themselves are in this this midst of transitioning into this this new way of portraying these characters. Because at the end of the day, I love Mike Lowry and Marcus, as well as the others in the this entire franchise. And I really don't care how old they get. I think that they can always find different ways of, of having a lot of fun in this type of environment. I do think that there is a noticeable shift though. Like I said earlier about Michael Bay, not being in the director's chair. I think that if I had a choice, I would rather prefer to have him still be in the director's chair just because it's, he's the one who really kicked off um, kind of the, the, the vision of the, of this particular, this particular trilogy itself. So having said that though, it, the people who were in charge actually did a, a nice job of maintaining the world that is bad boys. And other than that, I mean, I, I think the action sequences probably could have been a bit more exciting. I think that there were times where I felt a little bored in the, the, the theater. It didn't have that octane pushing it to 11 kind of thing. But at the same time, you could tell that they, that was not their intention anyway. Like they wanted to have 
spurts of it, but not like here's this constant flow where we're just like raging from one scene to the next. So I think I'm going to give this film three stars. I think it was an enjoyable film. I think if you're a big fan of the bad boys world that I think you should go see it. It's definitely not my favorite out of the three bad boys movies. I think that there um, were a number of things about bad boys one and two that I did. I don't know if for some reason, like the showmanship of those films really grabbed me. So I will have to say three stars and uh, Steve will actually rate a film higher than me, which my goodness, that should be an Xbox achievement. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Not very often, but it happens. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y. G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do here on the program. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, you can search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us streaming our gaming adventures live here and there. And uh, we always enjoy some quality time with our fans. So until then, we will see you next week.